and welcome to Extra Vision with me, Andy McCarroll. And on today's show, in honor of my frankly criminal snubbing at the Irish Podcast Awards, we're going to be looking at some other big award snubs throughout the years. And it is my honor, my pleasure, my privilege to welcome my guest today. He is a man who does not feel my pain as he won the award for Broadcaster of the Year as a producer in Ireland AM. He's the host of the brilliant Scare Shitless. He is Gordon Hayden. Gordon, how are you? Ah, uh, Andy, thank you so much, man. And listen, I feel your pain um, with your with your snub. So it, it, today's podcast will, will mainly be concentrating on that? Absolutely. Definitely. I, think that's, <laughs> I don't think any of the rest of them on our list today are quite to that level. <laughs> Just on the, uh, what would be the first one that comes to your mind when you're thinking of awards? Aside from myself, of course. Uh, do you know what? The, the one that I, there's obviously there's so, so many. And I was wrestling with this one, but I'm actually going to go with, uh, I'm going to go back to 1991, Andy. And it was a year when I, it all looked like, looked like that Martin Scorsese was going to win his Oscar. And the film in question was Goodfellas. And for me, that's my favorite Scorsese film. And it, I still think, I know The Godfather, people would say that's the ultimate mob movie, but hey, I, I, for me, I adore Goodfellas. That, that would be my one. And you would think that's it. It, it, it's, 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 you know, case done, but no, in comes along an actor turned first time director, Kevin Costner, with his answer to Pocahontas, dances with wolves and then that just completely pulls the rug and he walks away with the oscars and after that poor el scorsese what would it be uh it would be just under 20 years and then he'd get it for uh for the departed but you kind of go what when you think about those two films now and this is a real case in point for a lot of oscar movies you go like Goodfellas versus Dances with Wolves, you go, hang on a second here. Like I suppose one of the uh, the, the, uh, the film that constantly gets thrown under the bus for that they never deserved an Oscar is Crash from, I think, was it 2006? And that year, if it was to be treated like a horse race, the two that were out in front was Brokeback Mountain and Crash. And I think a lot of people felt like Crash was... It didn't deserve all the plaudits it was getting. And then it ended up winning Best Oscar. Now, granted, uh, Ang Lee would win Best Director for Brokeback Mountain, but everyone felt the film deserved it as well. Like, again, if you compare these two films, and I think there was, um, um, your listeners can definitely uh, correct me on this, but I think there was almost like another vote was held with Academy members sometime after 2006 to kind of to 2006 to kind of go well if we were to have this vote again what film would you have gone for like would would it still have been crash or do you think um uh brokeback mountain should have got it and i'm nearly certain when they kind of just did this almost like you know like straw poll and uh, not, not to in any way take the oscar away or anything like that but just out of pure curiosity factor i'm nearly certain <laughs> brokeback mountain got it I didn't know people kind of... It was like 80-20 or something switched out of it. So they, they would have voted for Brokeback Mountain, people who had voted for Crash. I think like 80% of people changed their mind. And this is the kind of the, the mad thing. Like, the, the, we've known, now know, like there's an awful lot that's come out about, obviously, Harvey Weinstein, but all the, the sex scandal stuff to the side. And he was notorious for using bully boy tactics to get people to vote. Like, that's why Shakespeare in Love walked away, you know, with Best Film. You're like, oh, what? 
Shakespeare in love. You having a laugh. Yeah. But like that's what basically it, just bombarded, like, you know, saving private Ryan, just went on the campaign trail. Like anyone thinking now, like you put Shakespeare in love next to saving private Ryan, like you're not picking Shakespeare in love. And that's the thing. It's it's absolutely crazy. Um, the sort of the internal politics that goes on and the canvassing that goes on. And like it really is like you're you you really are working the rooms and the the, the, the parties and the events in order to press the flesh and be on people's radar. Because I remember speaking to an Irish actress before who was an Academy member. And we were interviewing her for a program I was working on at the time. And I won't mention her name because I don't want to throw the throw her under the bus. But she did say to me that she would get a lot of DVDs sent to her uh, because she's an Academy member and they'd be able to watch them from home. And she goes, I can't, I haven't the time to be watching all of these. So she said, like, I'm, I'll give my vote. To, I'm hearing that that's meant to be good. I'll give that one. I'll give that a vote. And you're like, going, what? So you're basically voting for stuff that doesn't deserve it. So, you know, that that's what's uh, what's also happening. So um, it, it does happen. So films that do, don't deserve the plaudits are unfortunately getting them. And not to throw that person under the bus for there, but apparently that person is responsible for, you know, uh, half of the, the the village getting early copies of DVDs as well of Academy nominated films, too. So <laughs> there, somebody was watching them and giving them reviews of it anyway. <laughs> Well, this is the thing, wasn't it? For 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 years that was going on. Uh, you know what I mean? And you kind of go, how were they so behind? And just on the Goodfellas thing as well, Ray Liotta not being nominated, I thought was absolutely criminal as well. Especially when you consider, do you know who won that year? Oh my God, Andy, fair play to you now. So that would have been 1991. Well, I know his co-star, Joe Pesci, thankfully won his Oscar, but obviously Ray Liotta would have been in the best actor category. I'm going to say, bear with me, What was it Anthony Hopkins for Silence of the Lambs? No, Jeremy Irons for Reversal of Fortune. What? Yeah. I don't believe that. De Niro was nominated for Awakenings, Costner for Dances with Wolves, Richard Harris for The Field, fair enough. But Gerard Depardieu for Serrano de Bergiac was nominated. Dear Lord. A film most famous for me just mentioning it right there now. <laughs> I can't believe Ray Liotta wasn't even. Like, see, this is the thing. It is ridiculous how there are such blatant snubs. Uh, Ray Liotta deserved to be in that. Ah, oh, that that's an absolute joke. It's like, again, you look at a, I'm going to move on to like a director and it being absolutely snubbed. But if you look at like Paul Thomas Anderson, if we jump toward the late 90s, would have been around 98, something like that, when it would have been the Oscars. And the fact he never even got a, a look in and neither did Mark Wahlberg, which I th still think like Boogie Nights is one of his best performances. And he did everything you needed to do on screen playing Dirk Diggler and like there's a, a film that should have got more, a lot of love, but instead it all went to Titanic. It just felt that just seemed to bulldoze over everything. So there are certain films, actors and directors that thankfully time has been very good to them. Whereas you look at with, with the greatest respect to Jeremy Irons, Reversals of Fortune. Who remembers that? And it's not even like you can say, OK, we can go back in time, like retrospectively, like Crash and Brokeback. But like this was a huge film from, you know, what was recognized as one of the all time great directors. And you're giving it to like Dances with Wolves and, you know, Jeremy Irons for Reversal of Fortune. Even for me, Lorraine Bracco not winning and Whoopi Goldberg winning for Ghost. Like 
it's an entertaining performance. Is it an Oscar performance? Absolutely not. And that that's the real kind of the the, the sad state of affairs. It, it's it, and I know I feel very strongly around uh, Sylvester Stallone and deserving an Oscar for Creed. I just felt he won the Golden Globe. Hopefully he might be in line for the Oscar because there are times where an actor has picked up an Oscar and it feels more like a lifetime achievement. I think a case in point for me would be Jeff Bridges with Crazy Heart. And amazing performance, but it just kind of had a whiff of this is a lifetime achievement award. All the stuff that you've done, it just feels like now is your time. You could argue the same thing about Martin Scorsese picking up the, the Oscar for The Departed. It kind of felt like now is your time. I think that night when they were announcing that particular category, who were the ones that were actually handing out the Oscar? Wasn't it Spielberg, Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola? You're like, oh, well, I think everyone else, all the other nominees were probably going like, I think it's a foregone conclusion here, lads. That would have been hilarious had they had to hand that to somebody else. Yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't have been brilliant. Oh, that would have been there. That would have been gold. But with, with Sylvester Stallone, I really did think, like the, like the Jeff Bridges situation, that he was going to get it. And, you know, his story, you know, around Rocky, as we all know, like it, it mirrored so much of what he had gone through, struggles to try and make it in the industry. And like Mark Rylance, he pipped him to the post with uh, his performance in Bridge of Spies. And uh, I can only imagine how gutted Stallone must have felt because he that was that seemed like that was it. That was the moment to get the Oscar. And like I like Mark Rylance in it, but it's not a performance where you go, oh look, we, we can't give it to Stallone this year because this guy has made the most incredible performance you'll ever see. And Stallone, to be fair, played the game. Like there is a certain amount of politicking that goes into these Oscars. He went to all the Golden Globes, he gave all the speeches, he was nice as pie. It wasn't like, you know, an Eddie Murphy dream girl situation where he made fucking Norbit in the middle of it. Like he, yes, he kept his mouth shut and, and played the game and still didn't come out on top. I know. And and again, I think with the, the likes of the Oscars, they, they there is a level of snobbery, I think, at play. Uh, and I think there are probably some Academy members that, and it, look, it's not like the, the, the Academy is like some sort of residential, you know, I mean, board of directors, you know what I mean? There was about six or seven of them on the board. Like, you know, like, there are like hundreds, if not thousands. But I do think there is a cabal where that, that can be quite snobby toward actors and certain films. Like, oh, there has to be a prestige movie and it has to be an actor of some note and have some level of in, some integrity in order to walk away. I don't know if Stallone's action man persona uh, uh, was it was some sort of um, a smear uh, to his, um, his acting uh, abilities. And it was like, oh, he doesn't deserve it. The idea of him getting up, which I think is her. If that was somewhat of the attitude, you take it on the performance. And I just thought Stallone deserved it for Creed. Um, I'm a big Rocky fan anyway, but so I'm not kind of, this is definitely not me kind of doing like fan service here, but I just thought his performance was better and he deserved it. And that's another actor that I think, ah, oh, like Liotta, should have gotten gotten uh, gotten the, the love they deserved. And just saying there about snobbery, like you're a, a horror guy. Hitchcock never winning an Oscar. And then Kubrick, he, well, he didn't win an Oscar, either, but like specifically The Shining not even being nominated. And I don't think like, apart from The Exorcist and then Silence of the Lambs, you want to call Silence of the Lambs a horror film. It just doesn't seem like that genre gets recognized in, you know, in acting, in best picture, in pretty much any of the categories past special effects. 
That's so true. Yeah, yeah. I think Silence of the Lambs seems like it was the last film that really swept the board of the Oscars. That would be deemed a horror. But then again, there was a period where it, it would be a horror thriller. You know what I mean? You'd have to kind of, you know, it'd have to have some other genre attachment to it. Uh, and and I'm, I remember even with M. Night Shyamalan when it came to The Sixth Sense, like he was saying there was a period where horror was a dirty word and they didn't even like to call The Sixth Sense a horror. It would have to be called a supernatural thriller. And he was like, okay, that kind of sounds like a bit of a, you know, a bit of a mouthful and supernatural thriller. But yeah, it 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 really is disappointing how like that and even comedies to a certain degree um, don't get the love. But then again, you you look at the year that Green Book won, and there was all this pressure on uh, the Oscars to kind to to start looking like okay, we need to be showing diversity, we need to be so we we need to kind of show that level of love uh, to a film that didn't deserve it. Quite frankly, like Green Book. There's, there's a lot wrong with Green Book. Look, don't get me wrong, it's an easy go and watch. But it, if you really wanted to make that a really stronger film, put it in the hands of someone like Scorsese and the difference that you would get. No disrespect to Peter Farrelly, but I just think there's still, you know, it's it, it's it's a good film, but it's by no means the great film that, needed, that deserved an Oscar by any means. No, that was coming off the kind of the back of the, it was the last two years, the Oscar so why hashtag and then they, they yes. really tried the course correct. Like the, the nominees were Green Book, Black Panther, which never in a million years would have gotten nominated any other year. Black Klansman as well was involved in that as well. And and Spike Lee finally getting a nomination didn't win, of course, but you know, it, it just seemed like we tried to course correct too much the other way and given films the, well, let's be fair, Bohemian Rhapsody was in there as well. So it wasn't exactly the most banner year for uh, for Oscar movies. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, when Oscars have tried to show uh, like, oh, we, we we care about diversity. Like, even if we rewind the clock to what would have been the the sort of again, you're looking at late 80s, early 90s, just the year now just uh, escapes me. But when you had do the right thing versus driving Miss Daisy, it's almost like, well, give it to driving Miss Daisy, because that's that's a safer film that talks about race. Whereas Do the Right Thing is a lot more kind of heated and more politically charged. So that one, we'll just avoid that one. So then you kind of go, okay, well, what's the film that is being studied in film school? It ain't Driving Miss Daisy. That's for certain. It's Do the Right Thing. So um, there's been, uh, there's a lot of, again, snobbery. And there's an awful lot of this sort of sneering towards genre. And then, as you say, trying to course correct when it's done so obviously is i think is pathetic and really really patronizing and i do and i think a comedy or you know a perceived comedic performance like one for me that sticks out is uh jim carrey for truman show to not even be nominated on that standpoint either yeah i would agree with you i thought that was where he really really showed like the acting chops there that he had it. And like we've we've seen with the Netflix documentary how he drove everyone demented on set because he did a Daniel Day Lewis and stayed in character for the whole thing. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of bizarre where you go, what is wrong here? Again, it's like Stallone. It, you're, you know, they like it's like they, they want to keep people in certain boxes and they can't move outside of that box. So we're going to keep you in your lane, and that's where you deserve to be. And when you try to do something different, it's like, yeah. Don't think you fully deserve all the the love and recognition um, when you have done everything above and beyond what you should. So, 
and I, and I don't think we're really getting past that at all. And I think that's why we're constantly seeing with the Oscars ratings deteriorating and going down because they are not being more open. They really need a facelift. They need a change. And it's like, look at the Oscars this year. Oh, sorry, if we're coming sorry to t- next year, 2024. Like, you, the host again is Jimmy Kimmel. And you're like, going, I like Jimmy Kimmel, but he's going to be doing the same type of thing he's always going to do. And it's like, there's nothing new. The, 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 the person I would love to host the Oscars, I know I'm going off on a tangent here, Andy, <laughs> but you just mentioned Jim Carrey. I would love to see him host the Oscars simply because he's a bit of a wild card and he he can sing, he can dance. So you can bring back a bit of that Billy Crystal-esque side to him. But I also think this is a fella that can be quite snidey and snipey when he needs to be. And there is that bit of an edginess because you go, what could he actually come out with? So there could be something quite interesting with Jim Carrey. But Jimmy Kimmel, again, it's all safe. Yeah, I can't see. I'd love to see Jim Carrey do it, but I can't see it. Like he'd have that like Billy Crystal, I don't think gets enough credit for having that that snideness to him as well. I remember I think it was Little Miss Sunshine where the uh, the director, her name escapes, you know, but she wasn't nominated. And he just went up and he part of the monologue was like, yes, and of course, these films all directed themselves. <laughs> oh, see, like stuff like that is so, so sharp and strong. I just I just don't think we've had an Oscars uh, where it's really stood out, even on that particular side of it, you know, from a presenting perspective. It's all been safe. Yeah, there's and I, I, I do think that we'll always be interested, film fans, to see who's walked away. But like, there's been some massive omissions. Like if we want to stick with the snobbery thing for a sec, I think one of the most blatant um, snubs, I know I mentioned from the get-go, Goodfellas, but another one I would put nearly on par with the, the snub is E.T. Yeah. And like for E.T., again, to lose to Gandhi. Now, that year, like I think even Richard Attenborough went up to Spielberg. If it wasn't at the, uh, the the Oscars, it was definitely in one of the, the award ceremonies prior to it. And he just was like, oh, look, it's it's E.T., it's E.T. all the way. And even Richard Attenborough was taken aback by E.T. not walking away with the, uh, the glory. And again, if we look, you know, look back, which film is the one that is held more aloft? And it is Spielberg's film. It's 82 Alien movie. It has so much going for it. And I do question again, um, was there some element of snobbery attached? You're looking at Gandhi, that's the more prestigious film. You know what I mean? You know, the, 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 the history and what Gandhi has done uh, for the history books and for, and, and for, and for the uh, people of India. And in comparison to this film about an alien that's lost and needs to get home. You know what I mean? I just, uh, I, even I, the fact I that think... like if the best actor was won by Ben Kingsley, like an Englishman playing an Indian and what you would look at now and go, is, is that kind of okay? What he done there? Oh yeah. Like, like there's a, like, yeah. And see, and this is the thing we were at a time when, you know, he, like, you would never see that happen now, obviously never, never, but yeah, no one batted an eyelid back then. Um, whereas I just, there are times where you go, lads, if you, the Oscars is deteriorating because there are certain films that deserve that love that, you know, that you mentioned genres like horror, 
why aren't they getting a look in? No, have to keep them out. You know, there's even films where, you know, look at the social network. Like the social network, it, it lost out to the King's Speech. I would argue that the social network is a much better film than uh, the King's Speech. I, I I just think there's got it's got so much going for it. I think even I either it was either David Fincher or Aaron Sorkin. Granted, Aaron Sorkin won the um, the Oscar for best original screenplay, but oh sorry for best adapted screenplay. I I I I I, I, I correct myself there, but. I think there was, you say, like when he kind of delved into uh, Mark Zuckerberg's story and the people that he had aligned himself with and fell out with, there was almost something like a Shakespearean tragedy about it. And that's what both himself and and, uh, and Fincher leaned into. And again, I just think that's the film that holds up, you know, like you look at what Fincher's gone on to do subsequently, you know what I mean? Like, you know, he's been consistent. And um, I just think, don't get me wrong, The King's Speech, it's an excellent film. But I just still think Social Network deserved deserved that one. Yeah, like, I don't think there was any even acting nominations for that as well. It's like, there is that kind of thing. It's like, oh, The King's Speech, we're going historical. It's, you know, it's, it's the safe pair of hands. But, you know, Todd Hooper's off directing Cats and David Fincher's off doing The Killer. So he wasn't quite the, the safe pair of hands. Another name I throw in the mix there is well, like Tarantino not getting one either. Like he has a, a two adapted screenplays, I think, or two original screenplays. Sorry for uh, Pulp Fiction and Django of all things, which I think is you know, wouldn't be on the top end of his films for me anyway. I think Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction are, are far better than that. Even Jackie Brown, I thought Jackie Brown was kind of you know got caught up in the the Titanic tsunami, so to speak, but. Again, I think that was a film that was really underserved as well, especially in the the acting nominations. Yeah, yeah. I think Jackie Brown is is definitely one of those films where I think when people and people have when they've looked back at his his work, they do go, it is his most underrated piece of work. But I think the problem was people wanted another Pulp Fiction. That was it. And they didn't get that with Jackie Brown. It was a lot more of a somber affair, a, a, a much more of a slow burner. And they didn't get that that really that more dangerous nasty kind of gangster movie that they probably were hoping for and um, more the uber violent side of it so but yeah tarantino he's still got one more film in him just on spielberg as well if you have it on youtube there's this fantastic video where he was so convinced like the studio were so convinced he was going to get nominated for jaws for best director they'd hired like a camera crew to get his live reaction to put it on the news and then, of course, the nominations are read out and he's not nominated. And there's just this awkward silence, you know, like one of the, the greatest directors of all time, just kind of awkwardly like, you know, like The Office, basically looking at the camera, kind of, oh, please, please turn that off. And oh. there's this wince on his face, like, oh, good Jesus, I can't believe I, I've set myself up for this here. Oh, I must look that up. But I think he's, but I think the one thing he can take sort of solace in um, was that that was a really strong year. The, that I think there was like people um, I think Kubrick might have even been nominated like there was some really big heavy hitters Nikos Foreman won for Cuckoo's Nests uh, Fellini nominated Kubrick for Barry Lyndon Sidney Lumet for Dog the Afternoon and Robert Altman for Nashville which to be fair is, is as solid a category as you have like that is a, each single one of them 
deserved an Oscar. Do you know what I mean? Like they're like as, as heavy hitters as they come. So for to be to be given the owl heave though is not a. I think you can kind of walk away with your head held somewhat high. Um, but look, Spielberg would 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 have his day down the road. Uh, for Schindler's List and for uh, Saving Private Ryan. There's one director that um, I think now as, uh, like he's, well, as an octogenarian now, but Ridley Scott, I, I think that Oscar will 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 elude him. I just think what he's got coming down the tracks between Gladiator 2 and I think there's another thing he's working on, um, which will bring him well into his 90s, I'd imagine. But he's never, he's never had... He's never come close in that regard. Like even when Gladiator won, it won for best film and obviously best actor for for Russell Crowe. But you would have thought if ever there was a chance for him to win the director, it was for that. So I think there are people that unfortunately maybe time has caught up with them. But I do remember our very own uh, Peter O'Toole. Um, just to jump to the acting back again. I know we're swinging here, but 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 with Peter O'Toole, he was offered. A, a um a, a lifetime achievement award and he turned it down and he just went no he goes i want to win one of the, the bloody things outright you know what i mean i don't want this tokenism uh, uh, oscar um so i think maybe someone like ridley scott i think it might be a lifetime achievement award that, that might come calling but again definitely not going to get it for napoleon anyway Napo- again Nap- when when you have your lead actor telling you 10 days out from filming i don't know how to play this I'm like he's got really he's got concerns about the way he should be going with that role. That's that's alarm bells ringing there. And I think for anyone that's seen the film, we'll see how choppy it is and how all over the shop it is. There's a lot in there that is spectacular, but there's a lot there that doesn't work. And you do go, well, to be honest with you, that's where one of the big criticisms of Ridley Scott has been style over substance. And I think Napoleon should have been a slam dunk or it should have just covered a certain facet of Napoleon's life. Um, because even when Kubrick, I'm now going up on another tangent, but even when Kubrick wanted to make his um, Napoleon film, which obviously never came to play, the talk was that he'd done so much research into it, one film would never do it justice. It would really be like six films if Kubrick was really to 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 to, to make his uh, Napoleon movie. Uh, it, w- it would have to be stretched to six yeah, Spielberg's films. doing a... Um... Uh, a show on it as well at the moment. I think it's uh, going to be a ten-part Napoleon series, kind of similar to how we done Band of Brothers and The Pacific. So I'll be interested to see what way that goes because um, certainly didn't capture the, the Ridley Scott film was kind of and again weird tangent here. It was like it was too long and too short at the same time. Yes, yeah, it, and see, and this is the thing because it's trying to cover so much, and you just go look. It's like bear with me on this mad example, but it's like. You take Elvis, for example, and I had a lot of issues with uh, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis film because I did, did think it was a very syrupy, um, glossy affair. And you kind of go, well, at least someone now like Sofia Coppola, she's granted she's playing it from the side of um, Lisa, um, uh, sorry, Priscilla Presley, pardon me. But it's covering an, a certain aspect of of Elvis's life. And there's just certain people that unfortunately one film is just never going to do it justice. You either got to hone in on one part of their life and do that well. But I thought, unfortunately, Ridley Scott, uh, he thinks he can do it all. Unfortunately, he can't really. And uh, yeah, I think, unfortunately, that Oscar might elude you. 
So just one thing before I let you go here, Gordon, if I was to give you the the magic wand or the golden ticket from The Last Action Hero, you can change one of these Oscars, which is the one you think was the most egregious or the most personal to you that you would say, we need to change this one. Oh, do you know what? For the absolute crack, right? I would go back to the late 90s and I would have... I'd have to really use this wand now. Uh, probably, probably <laughs> have to give it a bit. Of, I'd have to give this a good shake. But I would have put Boogie Nights. Uh, um, it would have gotten uh, not not only an Oscar nomination, but it would have won because I do think Boogie Nights is a better film than Titanic, and it would have saved James Cameron shouting that he was king of the world. And I would love to have seen this young <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson walk up there and get his uh, his Oscar for Boogie Nights, which has massive shades to Scorsese about it, which kind of brings us back to good old Goodfellas because it really is kind of like the Goodfellas of pornos uh, in terms of telling that type of story. And and also the thing is, it was very well researched, Boogie, Boogie Nights, or as their American friends say, Boogie. Um, it, it really was, you know, like you're looking at John Holmes and even Burt Reynolds' character is loosely based. I can't remember the man's name now, but he was the director of Deep Throat. So there's lots of different, you know, touchstones within the film that um, Paul Thomas Anderson was delving into. The idea of the of the of the adult film going from the theaters into home video and what that would cause. Like there's a lot in there, you know, with the film, and you just have all these immensely likable characters, and it's just a really well-made film. So that's what I do, Andy. I'd give that good old wand a proper old shake and Boogie Nights would have definitely gotten more love at the Oscars and I would have walked away uh, with that big Academy Award. Do you want another weird one that I was going to pick? was exactly the same year. Mm -hmm. And I was going to go for LA Confidential for best film that year. But I will see to you, I will will acknowledge (laughs) that your wand is far more magical than mine. So I'm going to move down a category. And even though I loved Jack Nicholson and As Good As It Gets, I would have given it to Guy Pearce for LA Confidential for two reasons. One, I thought he was absolutely stunning in that. And I think had Guy Pearce won that, he would be at least two or three Oscars deep by now. I think he could have had just this incredible career. And I think had he picked up the Oscar for LA Confidential, I think that would have opened a hell of a lot of doors from, and he wouldn't be, you know, getting sued for ripping off the, you know, Escape from New York by, by John Carpenter. I just think that's the, one of the biggest missed opportunities through no fault of his own. Well, apart from picking terrible, terrible scripts, but, you know, never courted controversy, didn't get cancelled, mm-hmm. hasn't been accused of this, that and the other. I just feel had he won the Oscar that night, we would have had, we'd be talking about Guy Pearce very, very differently today. I would 100% agree with you. And he definitely is one of the most underrated actors working today. And yeah, there's been a, a few films in his filmography that you kind of go, really? Did you need to put on um, some sort of extension to the house for, for that film? Uh, granted himself and Kate Blanchett he absolutely despises each other. So he, I think there's sometimes he, someone needs to take his phone away from him with some of his tweets. But um, he, yeah, he's one of those actors, especially even look at Memento. Like he's brilliant in Memento, and you kind of go, "What happened there with him and uh, Christopher Nolan?" Because I also think he would have made a great Batman um, as well. He would have made a great Bruce yeah. Wayne. That's my own personal take on it. But anywho, um, but yeah, that's a very good one, Andy. Yes, that's a. I'll have to give you ten out of ten for that. Yeah, good old Guy Pierce. That's a man now 
when we talk about someone needing the love, he definitely should have gotten some sort of Oscar recognition. Because he just he pops up every so often in something like, you know, like the proposition. You go, what the hell happened to this guy? And then from, I think from 2009, I'm just looking through his filmography here, to about 2018, I don't recognize one film on it until we reach Alien Covenant. And I kind of rather forget that one, to be honest. Yeah, he did an awful lot of films in Australia. I think he did this, this kind of like a, this series, like Jack something. I can't remember the character now, but like it's, yeah, these kind of Australian uh, TV movies. He did a lot of that. I think he's done a Jack lot. Jack Irish. <laughs> Jack Irish. There we go. There we go. Uh, I came across a trailer from one of those and I was like, oh, when did he make this? And there's, there's, a, there's about five of them that he was, or that he just absolutely churned out. Um, but yeah, this uh, is actually, one of those I'm looking at here. It's like 16 episodes and three movies. Like, fuck did that come from? <laughs> there we go. The TV series. My God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack, the, actually, the trailer doesn't look that half bad. It looks, you kind of go, actually, that's kind of <laughs> kind of watchable there, you know? Um, but uh, he's kind of like a dodgy fella that kind of has a bit of a detective feel about him. I don't know if he's like a private investigator or something like that. But anyway, there you go. That's something for us to, to, to delve into. But yeah, good old guy, Pierce. I'd, I definitely I agree with that. But... Um, yeah, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Is there anyone else that maybe deserves the, the magic wand? The day after? Is there anybody that should have gotten it? I'm kind of trying to think in my head. There's someone that deserves it. Uh, oh, it'll, it, but again, I think Paul Thomas Anderson, even like There Will Be Blood, I thought, ah, it's going to be his year. And he missed out to the Coen Brothers. You're like, ah, Jesus. But you kind of go, look, your time will come. Your time will definitely, definitely come. So hopefully, anyway, I'll, I'll use the wand on him for the future. <laughs> well, I, we're going to put the wands down for now. And I'm going to say thanks very much, Gordon, for that. Really, really appreciate that. Uh, scared shitless for those of you who listen to this will absolutely love that podcast. It's absolutely fantastic. But for now, Gordon Hayden, thank you so, so much for your time today. Thank you, Andy. And I know we're recording this and Christmas is only uh, a wee while away. So listen, I want to wish you uh, a very happy and a Merry Christmas.